0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Lead at Work and at Home. I am Mark Greenberg. Hope you had a nice holiday, enjoyed your Passover as well as your Easter. I had a pretty cool experience. I got to go to Florida with my family, and we went for about a week, enjoyed the sun. I also had a really cool chance to spend time with my mom and dad. My dad's turning 78 on April 27th. Happy birthday, Dad. And I think the coolest part of the trip for me is when my dad took myself along with my three kids on the golf course. It was pretty cool to have three generations of golfers on the golf course. It's very humbling when your 11-year-old daughter drives the ball further than you. But I, I, I survived to continue playing. I also wore two pair of pants during one of my rounds because I got a hole in one. Okay, so today... Is uh, I want to share with you what I referred to as seizing the teachable moment. And I, as I was away on my trip with my parents, my mom and I were reminiscing about a story. I grew up in Glenview, went to Washington School District 63, and across the school was a place called Talisman Village. Talisman Village had an arcade. The name is Game. It had one of our favorite hot dog places called Hot Dog Island. Incidentally, my first job, as well as The Works, which was known for Euros and French fries. And then my dad and mom set up an account. So after school, I would just walk over to the local hot dog stand, order a hot dog, fries, and a drink, and then my parents would settle up later. Maybe that's why I got the job. But one further down from The Works, and the name is Game, was a, uh, a grocery store. And the grocery store, I forget the name of it, but the grocery store was just on the end. And as time went by, it had many different variations from the grocery store. And I think it ended up being Burlington Coat Factory, which was another job I had selling men's suits. Not sure why they had me selling men's suits, but I probably was making $6.75 in 1990, somewhere around there. But I was walking at the age of eight down the grocery aisle with my sister and in the aisle in the candy aisle was gumballs and the gumball package was over. And of course, my big sister would constantly tell me to do things like any sister would do. And she dared me to take gumballs out of the bag and put them in my pocket and take them home. So I decided to do that, and I took a whole bunch of gumballs, I put them in my jeans, which were probably like gonna start sweating, and I went home and Later that day, my dad and I were outside on our street playing catch, and if you grew up playing baseball, there's probably no better memory than having a catch with your father. It's something that I remember so well, and I love doing it with my own kids. Well, I remember when I put on my glove, I'm a lefty. I put my glove on my right hand. My dad said to me, oh, what's what's the color on your hand? Now, I knew it was probably melted gumballs from sitting in my pocket. And then I put them on my hands and chewed them. I only probably had 10 to 12 gumballs. And so then I said, oh, it's just from paint class. I, I think I was painting a picture in eighth grade And by the way, when the teacher holed up my artwork, it was very embarrassing because I don't think an eight-year-old drawing stick figures is probably the best reincarnation of um, Monet or Picasso. But I remember telling my dad, oh, it's just paint. So as the day went by and we had dinner, my mom walked in with a pair of jeans with the pockets unfolded. And she said to me, why are these all miscolored? And as she opened it up, there was every color of a gumball package. And so then I said, oh, it's from art class. And my mom looks at me and my dad looks at me and they said, wait a second, your dad said that your hand was um, different colors from art class and your jeans are different colors, but the colors don't necessarily match. So what's going on here? With that, Of course, like any eight-year-old would, diarrhea of the mouth ensued. And I ended up crying hysterically, saying, and I quote, Jody made me do it. She made me steal gumballs. And then my sister, of course, comes down and starts defending herself. No, I didn't. I was just joking. I can't believe that you actually took those gumballs. In the meantime, my parents are huddling up and I am scared shitless thinking that I'm going to be sent off to a boarding school, which, by the way, for some reason, parents always threatened you to go to a boarding school. Never materialized, but I thought that was interesting. They also used to threaten me that they were going to sell me to gypsies. And until later in life, I didn't really know what a gypsy was. So here's an eight-year-old boy in the kitchen sobbing to his parents Then I finally came clean with what happened, and that was I stole gumballs from, I think it was Eagle. I think that was the name of the grocery store. It was Eagle Food and Drugs or something like that, and I ended up stealing gumballs from there. So my mom and dad sent me up to the room, and then, of course, they had their debrief. It was like being in the West Wing, watching the president and vice president trying to figure out how they're going to kill Osama bin Laden. And what ended up happening is, my mom, 20 minutes later, said, get in the car. And I had no clue where I was going. And she literally takes me back to Talisman Village, has me enter the store, walk up to the manager and says, tell him what you did. Now, I am an eight year old boy sitting here with slumped shoulders, being faced with the challenge of coming clean with the manager of this grocery store. And so I said, sir, I stole gumballs and my mom made me then go into my piggy bank, which she brought by the way into the car. And she made me take out probably at the time, 35 cents to repay the man. I then get in the car and I found out many years later that my mom called the grocery store And it spoke to the manager and told him what was going to happen. And she wanted to seize the teachable moment. And I will never forget that for the rest of my life. My family jokes about it all the time. The day that I went to the grocery store and stole gumballs. And I don't think I've ever stolen anything for the rest of my life except for my wife's heart. I did steal my wife's heart at some point, I think. Yes, 19 years of holy matrimony. As an educator and as someone who who leads and guides 100 employees a year and a parent, I love the analogy of seizing the teachable moment because kids inherently make mistakes. That's their job because without them making mistakes, how are they ever going to learn between right and wrong? And thankfully, most of our kids' mistakes are fairly low risk. So taking Gumballs from an open bag. Granted, it probably wasn't the most sanitary thing, but in 1982, we probably weren't worried about things like that. Pretty low stakes. And so my mom sees that teachable moment and allowed me to learn from my mistakes. With kids, we do it all the time, right? Our kids make mistakes. But here's what I want you to really think about when your kid does make a mistake, and I'm going to get to employees in a minute, when your kid does make a mistake, Think of it not as a detriment or not as something negative, but think of it as an opportunity. And the opportunity is to allow them to grow and learn from their mistake. But the only way that you can do it is you have to let them figure it out for your, for themselves. And we do this, and I've talked about this on this podcast now for months, but about asking open-ended questions and not, not avoiding the lecture How dare you do that? I can't believe that you did that. This is the third time I've told you to do that. You need to stop. And this traditionally is how our parents spoke to us. Sorry, mom and dad. It's just kind of the way it is. And maybe there's a generation listening to this that's saying, well, that's not the right way because I'm the parent and you're the child. And I will agree with that. But I will also say that we've talked for years about our kids advocating for themselves And the end result of that is we have kids who have opinions and we want them to voice them. And it's really important for us to give them a space to talk. So let's pretend for a second that I was in the car driving home with my eight year old self. And I think and I've thought about this a lot. If I was driving home, I would probably end up asking questions like this. How do you think the owner of the store would feel knowing that people are stealing from him? What are some things that you can do to acknowledge that what you did was not a great decision? How do you feel knowing that you broke the law? And yes, this might fall under the category of guilt. But to me, what it really falls under the category is letting a child find the answer themselves. As far as employees, it's the same thing. If you have an employee that's having a hard time arriving on time, which let's be honest, can affect all of us. The question then becomes, how do you think the other employees feel when you come 15 minutes late? What are some ways that do you think that you can better manage your time? How can I support you to make sure that you're arriving on on time? What are the consequences of your work when you don't show up on time? And these open-ended questions to me are really the impetus for letting people learn. Now, if there are mistakes that happen, which they inevitably will, and the stakes are higher, we would handle it completely different. But when the stakes are lower with our kids and they make these these really decisions, and I think the science could be, especially with middle school kids, that their prefrontal part of their brain is not fully developed. And so, of course, they're going to make mistakes. I want my kids to make mistakes. I want them to be imperfect. And then I want to be there to help them understand how these mistakes can have consequences. But what I really want is I want my kids to have the ability to be honest with themselves as well as be honest with me. And I look back on that day, 1982, and I remember trembling as a kid. But looking back, I realize what a great way that my parents taught me between right and wrong. And instead of just yelling at me, they really put me in a position that was uncomfortable and made me go and make amends. And I think the word that I like to use is restorative justice. And restorative justice is translated to you break it, you fix it. And I think schools and a lot of companies and businesses would do a far better job, especially businesses that pay hourly employees writing up people even giving kids detentions to me does not help it might solve a problem for the short term but it's certainly not going to affect them in the long term but letting them repair what they broke and sometimes that repair can be in the form of just taking responsibility it does not need to be earth-shattering and as i as i when i used to mentor teachers, the challenge of being an educator and a parent to some extent is you don't know the impact that you're going to have until later on in life. And so as I look back on that day, I can definitely see how that simple gumball uh, stealing, if that's what you can call it, set a course for me to really reflect and think. I challenge you to try to find and seize those teachable moments. They happen all too often throughout our day, sometimes it can just be mired in conflict. Sometimes it can be embedded in how we reflect and talk on ourselves. When we use negative words and negative language to talk about how we're feeling, which afflicts me often. When I don't succeed at something I, I sometimes go to that negative place. and so me being able to help and guide other people, you know what impact do you think this have has when you talk poorly of yourself? What are some ways that we can change the narrative to help you understand why it's important to use positive language when talking about yourself. So for me, it's really helped me to change my mindset and think about positive affirmations and again this is all embedded in what we call social emotional learning which is what I work on with all of my clients. It's going back to basics and I really want you to give it a try this week. So I hope you enjoy this little brief snippet of my childhood and you were able to take some tools and techniques that you can use for the most important people in your life. Thanks again for joining me today. Hope you enjoyed the show. We have just hit 1800 downloads over the last couple of months, been averaging between a and 175 downloads. So I really appreciate the support. And if you're enjoying the show, Please be sure to leave a comment. It's one of the few ways that iTunes rates your algorithms in terms of ratings and reviews. So that'd be a great way to support me in the show. And if you'd like to learn more about some of the work that I do, please email me at Mark, M-A-R-K, at elevatedleader.com. And I will now conclude with a good PG-13 rated R joke. PG-13, I think, would be a good way to do it. A man and a woman were having dinner in a fine restaurant. Their waitress, taking another order at a table a few places away, noticed that the man was slowly sliding down his chair and under the table, with the woman acting unconcerned. The waitress continued to watch as the man slid, all the way down his chair and out of sight under the table. Still, the woman dining across from him appeared calm and unruffled, apparently unaware that her dining companion had disappeared. After the waitress finished taking the order, she came over to the table and said to the woman, pardon me, ma'am, but I think your husband just slid under the table. The woman calmly looked up at her and replied firmly, no, he didn't. He just walked in the door. And on that note, everyone, have a great week.